Guys, thank you so much for listening in and I hope you're all having a fantastic week. Today's episode was a lot of fun to do because the man you will hear me talking to in just a second is the man you also hear on the radio calling the football and basketball games for the University of Colorado, the voice of the CU Buffs, Mark Johnson. Mark has been in the play-by-play game for about 20 years and has established himself as a Colorado broadcasting icon with his exuberant voice and outstanding radio calls. He is an amazing man of God who loves to see the name of Jesus be made famous throughout the campus of CU, the city of Boulder, and wherever else he may travel. I cannot wait for you guys to hear it, so play that intro. Hello and welcome to the Refined by Fire podcast, a show with conversations about faith, trials, and the oh-so-long walk of life we are each called into. I am your host, Matt Kennedy, and I hope you find these episodes to be encouraging and uplifting. So without further ado, let's dive right in. Well, hello and welcome to the Refined by Fire podcast. I am Matt Kennedy, joined by a man who I have just uh, come to know for a uh, decent amount of time and some guy who I look up to very much um, within the same field. And I try to, we were just talking before this and some reason, like I just got to start taking more testosterone to match his voice level. But um, <laughs> you can hear right there. That is uh, Mark Johnson, the voice of the CU Buffs. Mark, what is up? Well, it's good to be on with you, number one. Uh, number two, I'm not sure what business I'm in anymore because I sure haven't been calling any, any football or basketball yeah. or baseball games for quite some time. So, uh, right, it's, it's an odd time in our society, Matt, but I do think it's a great time if you're a believer. Uh, and I say that uh, a little bit based on, you know, Paul talked about, you know, uh, strength and weakness. I think this is a great time for all of us to refine our faith a little bit, uh, to become more, um, I, I think, uh, more of a follower of Christ, more dependent upon Christ, because right now is, is such an interesting time that none of us can figure it out. And so the only the only place we can turn to is, is the Lord God Almighty, I think. Mm. I mean, Mark, you're jumping right on the gun. I mean, that's exactly... <clears throat> excuse me, what we're here to talk about today. And yeah, we're fine by fire. First uh, Peter 1, 7, where it talks about our faith being more precious than gold. And Mark, you kind of hit it right on the spot. That's exactly like why I brought you on because um, the, the, we're going to be talking about the game, of, uh, the game of football, game of basketball, and just athletics in general, how athletes uh, be, can have like their, their faith tested, especially in a year like 2020, and how like uh, people working in the broadcasting business have either gone out of work or they've had to go through some tough hardships. And especially in a tough year like this, it's just been emphasized uh, times 10. So, uh, Mark Johnson, how are you doing first and foremost? And uh, how has this whole COVID season been for you? And how has your professional and personal life been affected by the whole thing that we got called 2020? Well, you know, I go back to the middle of March. And I'm, I'm sitting in Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm at the Pac-12 Conference Tournament and, and broadcasting games for the University of Colorado there. And word starts coming down. Now, now, you know, before getting to Vegas, we started to hear about COVID-19 and, and you know, what, whatever coronavirus and, and those kind of things. And I don't think any of us really understood what this is all about and some kind of bug. And, you know, we, we've heard bird flu and, and, you know, all the different things over the years, swine flu and all these different things we've heard over the years. He found it kind of think, well, it's going to affect us a little bit, but probably not going to really impact our day-to-day life and how right. different things now all these years or these months later this has turned out and so I think back to that and the tournament's canceled flights are canceled and I got to figure out how we're going to get home and I get back home here and next thing you know 
there's no students on campus. I was back on campus the the, day, the Monday after we got back, which I think was, I don't know, March 15th, 16th, whatever the, the date was. And we taped the television show. And that was the last time I was on campus in for about four months. And everything gets shut down and there are no sports going on. And, and so it, it hit everybody in one form or another. And I think it's been a fascinating time. Now, from a career standpoint, you know, the off season after basketball wraps up, and it would, for us it would have wrapped up at some point in the month of March or early April, the Buffs were an NCAA tournament team. So I would have been uh, kind of into my slow season, if you will, shortly thereafter. But it hit immediately, and then nothing happened, and, and still nothing from a game standpoint has happened for me until we just found out the early part of, of November when games for the Pac-12 will, will get back up and running. So uh, from a career standpoint, that's been a shock, obviously, from a personal standpoint. Um you know, my, I live up in a ranch in the mountains of, of Colorado, west of, of Denver, and I've got a disabled son. So it's been, it's had a great effect on him. He's getting tired of his mom and me because things that he normally would do and we would help him do, he's unable to do at, at this point because they're not happening. And so that, that's been a challenge for us. In the middle of this, Matt, we, uh, we became grandparents for the first time. And, and so there were challenges oh, wow. around that as well. And so it, it's, it's been an interesting time. And, and as I said at the top, a, a time that, that kind of helped, helped refine, I think, all of us in, in our family from a faith standpoint. I don't know. I mean, I, a lot of people can take this year and be like, you know what? This year has just been absolutely horrible. I, but I like your take on it. And, um, and I think it's important to necessarily realize that it's just a season that this time is going to pass. And despite the uncertainty that, that God's doing amazing work and, and, and that I think a lot of fruit is going to come out of this. And we'll talk more yeah. about that. But like, Mark, the reason why I really wanted to have like you on specifically is because of, of course, my backgrounds and kind of like what I'm trying to aspire to be. And uh, you and I met back at an FCA banquet back in, um, I can't even feel it. It was like early June or, or, or late May of, of 2019. But I kind of told you my story of, of a man who is committed to faith. I, I'm working in ministry right now. I'm a collegiate rep at, at CMU for Fellowship Christian Athletes, but I'm also aspiring to be a broadcaster. And that's why I kind of feel so drawn to you and your background because I'm like, this guy is, he's, he's living for the Lord, but he's also having an amazing career of what I consider to be like a dream job working as a, a voice of a Division One Power Five conference team. And so sure. Mark, I mean, the reason why I wanted to, bring you on today is because the sporting world, and I guess I will throw the broadcasting world into it, it's kind of been turned on its head this year. And we, we turn the aspect of faith into sports. The two, to a lot of people, sometimes they don't necessarily mix well when you talk about the aspirations of having a successful sports career, with the aspirations of being rich, with the aspects of you know, having a bunch of material, uh, materialistic things that this world possesses. And, and with athletes, they have that availability to do that. But with Christian athletes or just athletes of faith, um, they're called to to live at a higher standard, and they're simply there to compete and provide for the families, and you know, hopefully, spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, so Mark, I really wanted to to ask you from your four years of um, being in the industry of uh, for your, uh, your four years of being a, a college athlete, or did you re did you retire from from being a college athlete when you got injured before your four? Yeah, years? Yeah, I, I was a college athlete for two years before I had back surgery. My my career didn't do anything. And then I got into sports casting shortly thereafter. That's right. That's right. So yeah. being a college basketball player for two years and then transitioning into that uh, broadcaster field, of course, jumping out on like a, a radio station. You, <laughs> a quick thing before I ask a question. You, the name of, of your top 40 station in Grand Forks, North Dakota, um, your on-air name was, uh, was what? Uh, well, the station was Magic 96.1 FM. Yeah. And so... I went by Magic Mark. For, Magic for, Mark. For a number of years. I, I, I refer to it, man, as my long-haired maggot and fist of disc jockey days because you know, at one point I had hair down. You can't really see it, but, but hair down, you know, beyond my shoulders. 
And uh, yeah, I was I was Magic Mark, the flame throwing FM disc jockey, as a young man for a number of years. <laughs> Not Magic Mike. Now, keep in mind that's yeah, I was about to totally say, how, how, about say how well would that go over in, in this day and age? <laughs> I was Magic Mark, not Magic Mike, but but yeah, it, it was you know, it was a start for me in broadcasting, and got my foot in the door, and got me behind a microphone. And I tell young broadcasters all the time, there is no substitute. Just like athletes have to have reps, there is no substitute for reps. Being on a yeah. microphone, on mm-hmm. a camera, like you and I are right now, there is no substitute for that. Um, you know, public speaking is the number one fear in America. They've actually done a study on this, and. Public speaking is the number one. So when I when I go out and preach or I talk to men's groups or I talk to kids at any time, I, I tell the story. I always say, think of this for a second. Public speaking is enemy number one. It's the number one fear in America. Number two is death. And so people would actually be rather be in the casket than giving the eulogy at a funeral, okay? And, and so I tell that story just to give people an understanding. Everyone's afraid of doing what, what you and I do for a living. But there is no better substitute uh, than just getting reps behind a microphone. And, and then, so even though I knew I was going to be a sportscaster at some point in time, I took that FM job just to have reps on a microphone, be talking, be in front of people, uh, be public speaking, and, and kind of you know, be able to sh- you know, kick the rust off, if you will, or, or, or soften the sharp edges on, on what I was planning on doing for life. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, like you said, we're doing reps right now and, and I'm thankful to be doing yep. it with, with one of the best in the business. So thank you for allowing me to get these, uh, these first team reps right now, Mark. I really appreciate you it. Bet. From your time being in the industry, from being an athlete to now being a sportscaster, what appears to be the toughest thing for a Christian to go through as they, uh, as they compete as an athlete, whether it's from division one, division two, II, division three, it doesn't matter. Just as an athlete in general, what has been the toughest thing for a Christian from your perspective that you've seen that they have to go, uh, that they have to go through? Well, anytime you're in the world of athletics, and it's it's no different than those of us who might be in broadcasting, those people who might be entertainers of some sort, maybe you're a mu- musician, um, there, there's there's no difference in, in what we do in the world of athletics. I got a phone call ringing here, so let me hit the mute on that. But it's, there, there's, there's an intoxicating aspect of it. And, and the intoxicating aspect, what I mean by that is you're in the public eye. And that's problematic, I think, from a, a Christian standpoint, that we can become, become too enamored with the world. Okay, for example, in, in my job, I've got a, a public persona, right? I am yeah. on the air, I'm on television, and still people hear and, and see me. And with that then comes attention. That can be intoxicating for all of us. In the world of following Christ, we're asked to surrender self and put others above ourselves. You yeah. see how there's there's a conflict there a little bit. And athletes deal with that exact same thing. There's adulation. When when you're a college athlete or you're a pro athlete and you hit a game-winning shot or you, you, you make the game-winning catch or whatever it might be, and afterward there are thousands of people that are telling you how awesome you are, which now in this day and age with, with multimedia and with social media, it's been magnified a thousandfold. So – uh, a young athlete gets uh, out of off of a big game and grabs that phone and starts looking at it and is being celebrated from here to eternity by everybody in, in whatever fan base that, that he or she is dealing with. That's intoxicating. And you be, begin to believe that. You begin to, uh, I, I think, begin to, to idolize that in some form or fashion. And so I think that's a huge issue for people in the world of sports right now, whether it's in the broadcast industry, whether it's in the coaching industry, whether it's in, in the, the playing industry. I think that's a, that's a very difficult line to walk, and I think you've got to be very cognizant of that 
And you got to begin to understand that and then begin to understand the deception of that and where your true value lies. You know, you asked me about, you know, how I've been affected, you know, uh, during this COVID period from a professional standpoint. There are plenty of, of men that I have become friends with over the years that have really struggled with not having that outlet out there. And I've always said, I'm a broadcaster. That's what I do. That's not who I am. My identity is in Christ. If I found my identity in, in being on the microphone or being on the camera, I've had nothing to feed that now for the last six or seven months. That would be terribly difficult. And, and so I, I think that's, that's a, 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 anytime I talk to athletes and have that opportunity to sit down and really discuss uh, their belief system, where they are in Jesus, I talk to them about that because I think you, you have to be purposeful uh, and, and have that in, in your mind to be thinking about that and use that as a lens you're looking through to make sure you don't get caught up in it. How much do you get a chance to actually talk to athletes and coaches about their faith? I know, I, like I know you're a, you know, an ambassador for FCA, like you're MC at, at different events, you, yep. um, you're involved with different men's Bible studies, but how much on a day-to-day basis, being a broadcaster, talking to these athletes and coaches on a, I would say, pre or post-COVID days on a daily sure. basis, how much can you implement talking about Christ at those times? Well, number one, uh, you know, it's a cliche old line, but I think it's a great line. And that's the idea that, that you know, we're the only Bible somebody's ever going to read. Okay. Yeah. So, so I try to, in my day-to-day life, my interactions, I try to allow that to speak for my faith, Be- being, being the light of Christ. Okay. Uh, let your light shine, you know, uh, so that people, you know, are going to glorify your Father in heaven. That concept mm-hmm. is what I try to do day-to-day. Um, working in the world of athletics, especially college athletics, uh, I, I don't think it would be accepted very well if I went in and was was trying, you know, trying to beat somebody over the head with a Bible every day from an athletic standpoint. Yeah. Okay, that, yeah, that's, yeah. that's not going to work out. So what I try to do is be that example for them in terms of how I conduct myself, how I talk with them, how I interact with them, um, showing the fact that uh, if I'm around a team on a day-to-day basis, I care about them. It's more than just, hey, can I get an interview with you? You know, I see a young man and say, hey, what's going on? Hey, I heard the, mm. your mom was having trouble. What, what's, what's going on there? Can, can, I, can I pray for your mom or something like that? Mm. And, and then that opens up that opportunity. And it doesn't happen with everybody, obviously. But every now and again, one of those young men will reach out and say, hey, I'm wondering about this. Or not long ago, I had a, a young man who reached out to me and said, hey, I'm on campus now. Who can I contact? Who can I talk to yeah. uh, about, about my faith and these kind of things? And then so I put him in contact with, with somebody. And so I, I think it's that opportunity of just being the light every day and making I, – I, I used to tell when, when my son was in high school, I, I helped him start an FCA sports huddle around his high school football team for four years. It was a great experience. And I used to invite every every – I was, I think it was a Monday or Tuesday night we did. It's been so many years now. It was a Tuesday night to a local restaurant. And uh, just to kind of help get guys there, I told them I'd, I'd pick the tab up. By the way, that became a very expensive proposition over the course of four years as these guys were showing up just to get a free meal. But I used to tell those guys all the time, you got to be fat. you got to be faithful, available, and teachable. Nice. And, and if, if you're fat all the time, and as I get older, that's becoming easier, by the way, but if you're faithful, <laughs> available, and teachable all the time, it's amazing the opportunities which the Lord will put in front of you and present to you. And so I, that's the way I approach it. Now, it's a different deal when you're dealing with grown men and coaches and those kind of things. 
Now that that now you're talking peer to peer under those circumstances, and so you know I'm always I'm always looking for those opportunities with somebody that I'm that I'm a peer with, so somebody's in that same age group that you know is a little bit older than we all want to admit to. Uh, then I can sit down and really have a conversation with those guys. With the young men and young women, I just try to make myself available, be an example of them, and then when they get curious, you know, I, I can I can share the gospel with them. And and that's why I think it's cool. To obviously be partnered up with with ministries like FCM, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna sure. plug I'm gonna plug it just because you and I both know what it's about. I'm on staff with it, and you've of course been, yep. like you said, plenty of time um, involved with the ministry. You know, people within the ministry, especially um, in Northern Colorado. So when when we have an avenue like Fellowship Christian Athletes, a parachurch, somebody who who specializes in connecting with athletes and coaches to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, like that is what they are built for. That's what they're established on, and plenty of people are invested within that ministry. Um, how awesome is it to have outlets like FCA? having a presence, especially in today's culture or like a city in Boulder where necessarily being a Christian isn't the most popular thing, but they have avenues like FCA that athletes can go to and establish that foundation to elevate their game as an athlete or a coach. Well, I, I think it's, it's a phenomenal uh, organization and, and there are plenty like that. There's Youth for Christ out there, there's Fellowship of Christian Athletes. There's a number of those opportunities. And I think, you know, you talk about going into areas where, where maybe our belief system isn't always the most popular thing in the world, but that's exactly where we need to be, right? right? We don't need to be preaching to the choir. We've already got the choir, right? We need to be in areas where it's not a popular opinion. They don't know about Jesus. They don't know about his death on the cross and, and the, his, his sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins and, and all the things that they need to hear to become saved and, and to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. I mean, so th- what a great opportunity. And, and that's the thing we need to remember. We're, we're living in a time right now where, you know, John Piper, I once heard a, a sermon by John Piper, and he was talking about there was a time when, depending on where you were, yeah, there, there was capital in being a Baptist in the South or being a Lutheran up in North Dakota and Minnesota where I came from. There was capital in that from a societal standpoint. Sure. That does not appear to be the case anymore. In, in fact, you know, I, anybody who is public with their faith, and, and the Lord said this is going to happen, we're going to take some arrows. There, there's no doubt about that. And, and we should all be thankful for that and, and think that is an honor that we could, uh, you know, be, be uh, you know, criticized and, and attacked for the Lord's sake. And so um, what a great opportunity we have every day, no matter what walk of life you're in, no matter where you're at to be a little bit of that light and to influence people for the kingdom of God. And it's just, mm. it's, it's something that we need, I think, to be more, uh, what's sort of more, more forthright about, but it means me in the, in the forefront of our mind. And we need to be thinking in those terms more often. And it goes back to the faithful, available, teachable. If I'm being that way all the time, and that's what my purpose is, not just the fact of getting caught up in my little world and, and what I got to do in life, but Anytime I'm out and about, no matter where I'm at, no matter what my job is, no matter what circumstance I'm in right now, it might be a a weekend gathering of friends for a a barbecue or it might be in the middle of a business meeting. There's an opportunity there if my eyes are open and I'm actually looking for it at every given moment. I I think that's what's so cool about this. So there are great organizations we can always point to and direct people to, but we've got to also be in the forefront of our mind that, listen, uh, this is my responsibility as well. I'm out here to, to make fishers of man, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, we'll, I'll just give you Matthew 28, where it talks about the great commission to go out and make disciples of all nations. I mean, that's exactly yep. what, what Jesus calls us to do. And, and I, and I think there's a certain aspect when it comes to athletics that, that athletes are just very ambitious people. They're just very naturally passionate people. 
you know, I would say yeah. more so than like the common man. So when I look at athletes who have their faith, I'll, I'll look at, you know, Justin Simmons from the Denver Broncos. He's a, he's a big FCA guy. He's also, you know, very yep. outspoken and an all pro safety, uh, hopefully an eventual pro bowler and one of the you know best to do it in, in, in today's game. He's a very outspoken Christian, and the fa- but the fact that he doesn't necessarily come on to you know like Twitter or YouTube, or whatever. He's not just saying, "Hey, repent." He's he's not going out there. He's living it by example, like you talked about. And I think when you get guys, especially at the college level, when there's such an environment of temptation, you know, like like we yep. like we get throwing like everything, like you said about social media, and like the crucial game. But if you throw in being 18 to 22 years old. You know, when you have all the societal pressures of being in a big power five school, like, I mean, Boulder, I mean, oh my goodness, like they, like you guys went into a little bit of a shutdown just because there's too many parties going on. So mm-hmm. when you have like that culture, it's, it's especially difficult to be a, to be a Christian, but, but I think when you find a genuine faith among a crowd like that, it's something to really celebrate. Oh, there's no doubt about it. And, and you've got to be, you, you've got to be deliberate I think it was a word I was searching for a moment. You've got to be deliberate about your faith at all times. Mm. Um, it's too easy to get caught up. You know, what is it? Um, oh, in, in Matthew, the, the parable of the sowing of the seeds, the, the rock that falls, or the seed that falls on, on the rocky ground will die because of uh, cares of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth. Okay, that cares of the world has always struck me because it's so easy for all of us to get caught up in the minutiae around us, right? The things we get caught up every day. I, I got up this morning and, and uh, you know, uh, my, my dog threw up on the floor and, and I walked outside and then the hot tub wasn't working. Or I, you know, what, whatever is going on in your world, we get caught up on that stuff. And that's the minutiae. That's the cares of the world that, that kill it inside of us. And so you've got to be deliberate every day about getting up. Today, I'm waking up. I'm going to the Lord in prayer. I'm thanking him for, for giving me another opportunity to represent him today and keeping him in the forefront of my mind all day long so that at any moment I'm prepared then to present the gospel of Jesus Christ or have that opportunity to show his love. Uh, and, and so I think that's the mindset. We've got to be so deliberate about this. And it's so easy to kind of flip that around and at the end of the day go, oh, man, you know what? I had a great opportunity. And I didn't think about it. Yeah. Well, if, if your mindset is, I'm an ambassador for Christ first and everything else second, then you're, you're locked and loaded all the time in the right position. Mm. If we flip that around then, and I'm Mark Johnson, a sportscaster, and all I'm worried about is getting that done today and, and, and getting you know the list of things that I've got to get done. And then in the back of my mind, number two is, and I'm an ambassador for Christ, I've missed a, a whole lot of opportunities all day long now. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, that b- before I asked, uh, um, you get into a, a story, um, that we kind of talked about prior, I wanted to ask you like one last like broadcasting question too, because I, sure. I, I, I have kind of, I think I asked you this before, but we, we did, we had a very short conversation one day, I wanted to get into it longer. And so now we have the chance. How do you, how do people who work in like a, like a busy job, you know, broadcasters or just sports or journalists or people who just have day to day, you know, sometimes six to seven days a week, um, it takes a lot of your attention away. You just have so many like worldly distractions. How do you necessarily, you know, like, like live your life and, and we, and we've kind of touched upon today, like, like living your life as an example, but having that day-to-day ambition to live for Christ first, when you literally have your, your career and, and the people around you basically diverting your attention away from God, how can we flip the script and say, okay, everything else follows suit from putting God first and then the rest of my life is just a reflection of me daily living the calling of the gospel. Well, I'll tell you this. So 
I, I grew up in, in I, I, I say it with, with kind of a little, little tongue-in-cheek. I grew up like a lot of families uh, from, a, from a spiritual standpoint. We went to church when you were supposed to, you know, Christmas, when somebody got married, when there was a baptism, you know, th- those kind of things. And so that, that's not a criticism of my family. It's just yeah. it's what it was. And there was something in me as, as a young boy, as a 10, 11-year-old boy, that drew me, kept drawing me. And I remember one point I, I asked my, my parents, could I go to Sunday school, right? So they'd drop me off and I'd go to Sunday school and, and, and stay for the service and help clean up the sanctuary afterward. And I've always felt drawn. And I didn't know why, obviously, I'm a child at the time. I become a young man, uh, lose my father as a teenager, and I'm kind of a mess for a, a couple of years. But the Lord kept pulling me. Okay. And as I am, am a young man, I'm trying to figure out the world. I'm starting a family and I lost, like I said, I lost a father as an 18 year old. I didn't have a situation where I, I'd really say that, that somebody came alongside me, an older man came alongside me, put an arm around me and said, Hey, I'm not your dad, but I'm here. Okay. So yeah. I'm for a number of years trying to figure out how you do this whole man thing, what that means. How do I become a husband and a father? What does faith play in that? And, and all these different things. So as I'm going through my walk in life and, and, and struggling and, and, and fighting in a, from a career standpoint, I, I uh, get my big rank. I became the voice of the Syracuse Orangemen in 2002, the summer of 2002, and I'm calling the national championship game in 2003, and that kind of yep. put me on the national scene. Matt, it was during that time when I, I really felt internally this, this question to me about, are you in or are you out? Yeah. And what I mean by that, I was, I was always trying to figure out faith, and I knew the details, and I, I knew the story of Christ and what it all was supposed to mean, but I never felt I was really sold out and had committed my life. And it was during that time I, I came to the, the conclusion that the Lord didn't put me here to be a sportscaster. That's mm. not why I'm here. Mm. He put me here to represent Him and to spread the message of Christ and be the fisher of men. And then, oh, by the way, your vocation is going to be a sportscaster. So that's the arena you're going to be in. Yeah. Okay. So, so that, that was kind of how I came in my thirties when I came to that understanding of this whole thing, because I, I was chasing the broadcasting dream. I was coming out of high school. I was going to be either a pastor or, or a coach or, or a, rather a pastor, a coach or a sportscaster. And so I was going to do something in that realm. And my old joke has always been, the Lord sent me to the media because he knew that nobody needed the Lord more than the media. So that, <laughs> that's where he ultimately sent me. Yeah. But I was chasing that dream for a number of years until I came to that realization, well, that's not really what this is all about. I, I want to be successful there and, and have a platform from which to be able to preach the gospel. But my real job here is to be a representative and an ambassador for Christ and preach the gospel of Jesus. And this is just going to be my circumstance in which I do it. You know, you ever heard of brother Lawrence, brother Lawrence uh, was a monk and you know, he, he decided he came to the conclusion that he was going to wash dishes better than anybody had ever washed dishes in the monastery before and do it for the glory of God. And so I, I think that was an important lesson for me that, that no matter what your arena might be, that's your opportunity, right? So mine just happened to be sportscasting, years of sportscasting, and, and I'll use that to the best of my ability as a sportscaster. I'll try to do that job the best I can to glorify him, 
let your light shine before men so they can see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven and all that, everything, whether you eat, whether you drink, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. So all these, these different uh, scriptures that we can think of in that regard. Yeah. So I'll do that to the best of my ability, but then in that, be the best representative that I can uh, for Christ. And so... You know, it's kind of a long answer to your short question, but for me, it was that it was that flip of a mindset about what my job is supposed to be here for Christ, and then my vocation is just coming along with that. So good, Mark. So, and just for reference, that 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 Bible verse that you quoted was First uh, Corinthians ten thirty one. If I partake in meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of this? Which I give thanks. Whatever you eat or drink, do whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. And yep. I think another one was one out of Colossians that. Uh, um, that is with that. So Mark, yeah. I, I love that answer. And Hey, I, I wanted to uh, touch into a quick story, um, that really has, uh, defined like your family. And I, there's been a couple articles on it and I've heard you speak about it on a couple of times, but, um, about a little bit over 10 years ago, was it 2009 is the year that I'm thinking of? Yep. Yep. Uh, 2009, um, you, your family had a bit of a scare with your wife, Susan. It was at church on a Sunday and she had a medical emergency. And I was wondering if you could um, give me your perspective of that day and how that really helped shape, uh, especially like your wife's faith, but also your faith uh, as a father, as a husband, and just as a person in general. Well, we're sitting in church one Sunday morning and uh, my three kids are with, uh, my three kids now are 29, 27, and 23. The youngest of which is a special needs uh, child. My son, Jacob, uh, will be our forever child. He's with us. Uh, as long as the Lord will have us here. And, yeah. and so we've got a, kind of a unique family makeup, but we're sitting in church one Sunday morning and I was on uh, one end and I think my oldest was on the other end and in between us, if I remember correctly, was uh, my daughter and my youngest son. And, and during the final hymn of the service, I just happened to look, see some movement to my left and you know, I'm holding the hymnal in front of me and singing and I glance over my wife just kind of falls back into the pew. And I'm like, what, what just happened? You know, you're, you're startled. And I, I quickly lean over my, my kids to try and figure out what's going on there. And she's got this kind of far away, you know, offline kind of look, if that makes sense. You know, nobody home kind of deal. And uh, and starts mouthing with, with no uh, sound coming out. And the service, obviously, every, now this has become a, a group event, not just a family event. Well, my wife had uh, a stroke activity under those circumstances. And, you know, at the time we didn't know what was going on, you know, trying to figure it out. So um, 911 is called. Ultimately, a paramedic gets there. They're trying to figure out. Uh, we've got her down to the floor. Flight to life comes in, lands out in the parking lot or in the, the grassy area outside of the church, rather. And, and so... Uh, they, they put her in the helicopter, and I'm expecting just to jump in the helicopter and go with. And, uh, our church family has grabbed the three kids, and they said, we've got them. Don't worry about it. And the, uh, the, the crew with uh, the helicopter, the flight to life, looks at me and said, we don't have enough room. You can't, you can't fly with it. So mm -hmm. I'm going to jump in, in the vehicle. I jump in the truck, and I'm going to head on down. And they take her to St. Anthony's in Denver, which is a bit of a trip from, from where I live over the mountains. And I'm flying down I-70, thinking to myself, um, you know, at the time, you know, back in, in, I'm trying to think from an age standpoint, it would have put me about my late thirties, I guess, right around 40 years old. And I'm thinking to myself, what just happened here is, is my wife dying? Could she be dead now? Am I going to be the, the father of three children, one of them special need and be a single dad? What, and, and you know, every thought in your head is going through your mind while I'm flying down 
to the hospital. I, I go, I'm like the Dukes of Hazard flying into the parking lot, you know, mm -hmm. screeching and slamming on the brakes. And I go running through the door. There's a security guard standing at the front door and he stops me. And I walked in. I said, my wife just came in on flight to life. Um, I'm here. And he says, hold on a minute. And I'm like, I, I do it. I get it. I said, I got to get in here and figure out what's going on. And he says to me at that time, I can't let you in until the chap, uh, the, the, the chaplain gets here. Hmm. Well, that generally means somebody has expired. Hmm. And so that's going through my head right now that the reality, at least perceived reality at this point, that my wife has died and dealing with the emotions that come up with that, thinking about my children, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? And, and, you know, it goes along on my phone um, everything that goes along with that and um, eventually after it could have been more than probably man I'm guessing probably 60 seconds maybe 90 seconds and uh, finally I looked at the guy and I said hey you've got to let me in here uh, otherwise I'm going to go crazy right now and uh, about that time I look down the hallway and this, this woman comes around the corner and it's, it's actually a, a, the chaplain and she realizes what has happened and comes running down the hallway and, and runs up to me and says, your wife's okay. And so at least I had that reality. And, and then, you know, we, we get in and, and uh, eventually see my wife and, and she begins to recover. Although at the time we're not exactly certain uh, what actually happened and, and what's kind of going to be the permanent effects to what, what she went through. But uh, the, the great part of the story is she recovered from that, didn't have speech for uh, a period of time had some physical issues on one side of her body for, for a period of time, but has come through that uh, with flying colors, ultimately, praise God. Yeah. And so uh, it, it, was, it was one of those moments where you're terrified, um, you, you're afraid that your whole life is going to change, but going back to what we talked about a little bit earlier as well, it, it also was one of those refining moments for me because it, it realized, made me realize how small and what a lack of control I have over anything in my life. And that the Lord is on the throne and his providence reigns and everything was in his hands. And all I could do, and, and my wife and I have talked about this many times, all we could do is turn to him and trust that this is part of his plan. Right. And, and so it, it, was, it was a terrifying moment. It was, you look back on it, I wouldn't uh, wish it upon anybody, but it, it did give me a, a greater sense of where my faith needs to be. And so it was just one more of those moments of life that I think gave me the opportunity, the Lord gave me the opportunity to strengthen my faith and, and, and try to become more faithful and, and more led by the Holy Spirit and, and more dependent upon uh, Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mark, that's such an awesome story. And, it, and, it, and it's just crazy how like those types of scary and almost like life-threatening situations to where it draws us closer to God and helps us realize how much we need him and how, you know, much of an impact he can have on our life. And, and, and so I, so I'm, I'm, I'm thankful to, that you can share that testimony with other people and they can be encouraged by that. But I wanted sure. to end this conversation with a little bit of a fun question. And I know as a broadcaster, we have plenty of embarrassing moments, especially near the, near the, <laughs> near, near, near the beginnings of our career. So yeah. um, my question to you is what was, or maybe a couple of examples, if you have a couple, the, uh, <laughs> what is called embarrassing, but most embarrassing or oopsies, or just, did I really just say that on the air types of situations that you've had as a play-by-play -play announcer? 
Well, uh, and, and I could I could tell a number of stories with the, with the having no pride in telling any of them, and quite in fact, quite quite a bit of embarrassment. Um, you know, maybe the best one might be. I go back to we talked about the long haired maggot infested disc jockey days. So yeah. the the first what what I did to get my first job in in radio, I I, I just went around my my hometown of Grand Forks, North Dakota. I went around. After I was done playing college basketball, I went around to every radio and every television station and would just knock on the door and was begging people for a job, okay? And was not given the opportunity for quite some time. There was one radio station, that Magic 96 that I, I mentioned earlier. The program director there was a guy named, you know, I was Magic Barclays, but he was Fast Eddie. That was his, his <laughs> on-air name. And so fast eddie allowed me to come he was the afternoon guy the program director allowed me to come and sit in the studio with him and i would do it almost every day i would just come and sit in the studio and he and i would talk about, about broadcasting and what was going on in life and then as it began to evolve i would go get him a cup of coffee back in the day we used to have uh, some of your viewers may not remember eight track tapes okay in radio there was a thing we called a cart and it looked like an eight-track tape. We'd pop it in. We'd have songs on it. We'd have commercials on it. So I eventually graduated to the point where I could collect all of the all of the uh, carts for them and get them in order and put them where they're supposed to be. And then uh, one day he looks at me and says, hey, i got to run to the bathroom, uh, segue the next record for me, right? So I was graduating up the ladder of broadcasting. And then eventually he said to me, he said, why don't you go in the studio, the, the uh, recording studio, the production studio, and I'll uh, give you some songs and some commercials and you kind of put together an on-air show. And so I did that for a while. And, and after about the third one, he looked at me and he said, that is the worst audition tape I've ever heard in my entire life. No joke. No joke. So eventually, he calls me up one day and said, um, you still interested in a job? And I said, yeah, I'm interested in the job. He said, okay, I got an opportunity for you. Uh, I'll let you run the all-night album replay. Now, that happened on Saturday nights. Saturday nights, I think it was from 2 o'clock to 6 o'clock is when I got to be on the air. And all we did was track albums. And so, you know, I'd, uh, oh, I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd put on Van Halen Diver Down. Since we're just in the wake of the passing of Eddie Van Halen. I'd put on Van Halen Diver Down, and I'd say, this is the all-night album replay on Magic 96. Tonight we get to enjoy Diver Down from Van Halen. And then about every fourth song, I'd get to come on and just basically say that same line. That's all I did. And so I did that for a couple of months. So my big break, though, came around one fall when Ed called me and he said, hey, I got a real board shift for you to do. And I said, really? Because, yeah, Thanksgiving day evening. All right. Mm -hmm. And I think I went on the air at seven o'clock or something. And so this was my big break to do my first real on air shift. And so the family was over, everyone, all the relatives over at my my parents place. And at the time, uh, everyone said, you know, we're just going to stay here. We wanted to hear me hit the air for my first real board shift. So think of this upper Midwest Scandinavian German family all sitting around and waiting for me at 7 o'clock to hit the air. So, man, is the way those studios used to work back in the day, I got my first song queued up, and all you do was you'd hit the button. I had a turntable, so I queued up an, a record. And I hit the button. Now, what would happen to that old system? If you'd hit that button too hard, you were too excited, which I obviously was, you'd hit it real hard, and it would turn the pot on. Now, for your viewers that don't know, a pot is, is just a slide pot. You slide it up and down, and that kind yep. of controls the volume. And so I hit that real hard. It turned the light on, so the pot was on, but the turntable didn't fire. So 
I hit the button a second time, which turns the pot off, so there's no sound going through it, but the turntips, so they're backwards. And I sit there, so keep in mind, my grandmother, God rest her soul, is sitting in front of the radio, the whole family's around her, waiting for the first words to come out of that speaker, uh, me making my debut on a real board ship on Magic 96 in Grand Forks, North Dakota. And I hit that button two or three times, and I just look straight ahead, and I won't say it, but I, I said the SH word. That's all I said. The microphone was live, and that's all I said was that one word. And then I realized my microphone is on because I heard my voice in my headphones, and I turned it off, and then reached over and finally got the, the record to play, and I sat there just numb for the next two minutes, and the phone eventually rings. <laughs> and it's the program director, and I pick it up, and he says, did I just hear you say, yes, sir, I did. And he says, I was standing here playing darts in my basement. He said, I threw the dart into the wall I missed so badly when I heard you. And <laughs> he said, I'd reckon, he goes, if, if this was not a holiday and I had anybody else to come in, I'd fire you immediately, but I have nobody else to come in and fill in for you right now. So you're going to have to finish the shift, he said. Oh. And I did. Luckily, was not fired. And all these years later, I'm still broadcasting. So, oh, my gosh. Uh, there, there's a great lesson. The first word you can say on the air was a cuss word and still survive in this business. That's a, they, they, they tell you all the words you can't say right away before you go in there. They're there like, you hey, go. like, here's a list. And then you're like, ah, yep. I'm actually going to say one. So Yeah. Uh, George Carlin had that great bit, the seven words you cannot say on radio or television. I actually said one of them. Yeah. Sure, <laughs> First so word too. First word right off the yeah. bat. That's a, yeah. that's, that's an awesome story. That's an awesome story. Mark, <laughs> this, uh, I've, I've enjoyed this conversation a lot and um, I hope people listening to this have just been encouraged by it, by your testimony, by your word, and just, uh, just by your wisdom from, uh, from being in the game. Um, not just of, of faith, but also athletics uh, for a long time. So Mark, thank you so much. And for everybody listening, we will see you next time. A big shout out to Mark Johnson for coming on to record that episode for you guys. And I hope it was encouraging to all of your listening ears. If you want to follow Mark in his journey, follow him on Twitter at MJ Buffs Voice, where he is pretty active with his tweeting. As always, please favorite this episode if you haven't already. Go and subscribe to the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts while looking out for future episodes. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll see you all 